This is Tom Thomas Howie, the pilot. He pilots Delta Airlines. United. Dude. United. Dude. Oh, I know. I know. Spirit. Are those companies even still in business? Allegiant. It's Spirit. I think Spirit's worse than Allegiant. I'm not getting a sponsor from either of them. I don't care about you. Uh, one of our favorite airlines is Southwest. He happens to be a pilot for Southwest. Hallelujah. You are now free to mine? move about the country. Is this yours? The reason they are um, one of my favorites is because they don't charge for seats or bags. Amen. And they better never. Or they're out. Because that's about all they offer that I like. And the pilot. There's a pretty cool pilot. But I don't like to. Ha I like to have my seat though chosen ahead of time, so I don't have to. 24 hours, I have to like make sure I get the thing, and then I got to stand. Then oh, you're in. You're in. If you get, if you get like D, you're. It's it. You're done. Or is it? What's the last one? Is A, B, and C? C stands for what? Center aisle. Center seat. Center center seat. Yeah. All right. Enough of that. We're we're. I took two minutes of your time here. So Tom is a board member, um, one of our board members. He's a faithful, always been faithful in his giving, and God has been faithful, and he's got some great uh, um, stories about what God has done for him. But last week, we talked about faith. Remember, we talked about, and by the way, this is, this is not a sermon about tithing. This is, this is just uh, a teaching about how God wants his children to be prosperous, but there are keys to prosperity in the kingdom. Um, last week we talked about faith, remember? Uh, Jesus had uh, three of his disciples on the mountain with him, James, John, and Peter, the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down, he sees this chaos, and uh, they're like, the, the father of a son says, I took my son to your disciples that were down here, and they couldn't heal him, and then Jesus goes, you perverse and... Um, uh, wicked, I think, or unfaithful generation. And he says, um, how much longer do I need to be here with you? And then he turns and casts a demon out of the kid. Nobody even to that point knew it was a demon that was taking that, uh, the charge of that child and why he was insane. And then the disciples pull him aside and said, hey, Jesus, whoosh, we don't want to be embarrassed any more than we already were. Why were we not able to to cast that demon out. Why were we not able to heal that kid? And what did he say? Because of the, the NASB, the, the littleness or the smallness of your faith. He didn't say because of no faith. He said because basically your faith was so tiny. And then he gives this famous uh, example of this is where this verse comes right after he tells that, right after he casts the demon out. He tells the disciples, your faith is too little. He says, but if you have only a mustard seed of faith, you could have done it. What is he saying there? He's saying, you don't even, you've been with me for years, you don't even have mustard seed of faith, but that's all you need. And, and like you're going to talk about, that's the starting point. And so this is what we want to instill in you, faith this morning. Now, we're going to talk about tithing and offering because that's kind of what we're, it's not the whole thing, but we are going to talk a little about that. Now, you, faithful tither, you've been tithing to our church before you even were a member of our church, officially. When Zach and Rochelle was here, Rochelle would say to Carly and I, we keep getting these checks from this pilot in Reno. They've met him like once. And um, he kept 
tithing to our church or, or giving off. I don't know if it's a tithe or an offering, but you it, was, it was my tithe because yep. I hadn't found a church up there yet. But more importantly, it's the principle that Jesus talks about where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. Exactly. My heart was in this house yes. already. And so it was a natural progression for me. Because of me, I was here. So your heart was here. Hadn't met Chris Ritchie at that point yet, but... Uh, uh, but you could sense there was a great worship. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So let me ask you real, some practical questions that we didn't get to last, uh, last service. Really? Seriously. Okay. okay. I will allow it. Okay, good. So uh, we, we started, uh, I mean, he's already started and he wants to ask some questions, but I wanted to bring one more thing into this before we start because it was the prophet of the house said something to me that was so profound that I didn't think of. We as leaders, as elders, as people in a church or whatever, look at a family, if you will. We don't talk about money because in the church, we've been told that money is a dirty word. The church only wants your money so that they can expand or they can do this. But what they don't understand is I'm my whole purpose in telling you about things that have happened in my life financially are so that you will practice the things that I practice to do and get in the flow of finances that I've found. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not a wealthy man yet, but nevertheless, I've moved, I've seen the move of God in my finances, just like JD has, right? So that's what I wanted to, uh, Tony actually said, she goes, we don't teach people about the finance of the kingdom. And that's what I think is so important that we get that across. All right, I'm sorry. You're not a wealthy man, maybe yet. financially, but you are wealthy in soul. Because I know you? So No, well, that's oh. true. You, have a, you, walk, you operate a prosperous soul. And so uh, wealth, Ooh, We'll get into that in a few minutes. Wealth so, yeah. is, just a, is just an outpouring, a manifestation of, your, of that. But I want to ask you, uh, so you are about years old. You're like 30. Yes, amen. So how, when did you decide to start tithing? What age were you? When you started, to tithe, like a regular tither. Okay, so we were raised in a church or in a uh, household that you you were required to tithe. I worked for my uncle uh, on a farm when I was uh, eleven and twelve, the whole summer, and he would pay me twenty dollars a week, and he would give it to me, and then my grandmother would say, "So it was my grandmother's house down in Mississippi," and she would say, "Okay, son," and so immediately I just give the two dollars uh, into the offering plate that week. Uh, so this was instilled in me from an early, early start. Now, when I got older and in my 20s, I knew a whole lot more than this stuff. So I stopped tithing because I knew more than God oh, okay. at that point, did right? That point. Yeah, and I got deep. It's part of my story. I got deep, deep, deep in debt. I was looking at zero as a goal. Do you have a correlation? Is there a correlation between when you stop tithing and then when you absolutely, into debt? Yeah. yeah, just yeah. just you know you just veer off the yeah. veer off of that as because when I teach tithing, it's not a matter of an obligation. Right. It's God saying, "I want to partner with you, and if you'll do this with me, we'll c continually have a crop that's producing after its kind, and that crop will con have a continuous flow into your life." Um. So I got some notes here. So we believe in this church, uh, tithing is the baseline for a believer. It is like the, it's like the most elementary thing you can do as a Christian is to tithe. It really, it really shows uh, the Lord if you trust him. It's just like this, do you trust him? It's very simple. We tithe, big deal, 10%. I mean, it's like it is what it is, right? Now, but with that said, there were times 
and you talked about it before, when you have a choice, and, uh, and you're going to answer this question, you got, you got either feed your kids or tithe. What do you do in that situation? Well, always feed your kids. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But there are movements that would say, I know. I've had people tell me that, you tithe first, even if you're going to go on the street. And those what do same, you say to that? Uh, th those same movements are the ones that, that pull out Malachi that you're cursed yep. if you don't tithe. I'm going to tell you right now, the curse was broken over you. He was cursed on a tree so that you would have life and life more abundantly. But anytime there's a curse in Scripture, you don't have to claim that because that's not you, but you get to claim the blessing. Amen? So in Scripture, in the law, there's a blessing that goes along with the law. There's also a curse. But how many times do we stand here and say, I'm cursed above only and not beneath, but I am blessed above all and not beneath. Amen? Why? Because he was made a curse for me. There is a principle in the kingdom, which is, um, and we see it in the Trinity, the three in one, there's community. There is a community in, with us. And I'll say this before I finish, uh, before I go to the next thing, is we actually, we take care of our own here before we take care of people outside of these walls. Now, I'll tell you, that might sound, you know, to you, whatever. But um, we do outreach. We have an outreach team. We feed and we clothe. But if, but if, if I get a call, my wife and I get a call or something, and somebody needs um, their bar car broke down, and they're like, I, I, I saw you uh, in the Yellow Pages. Anybody use the Yellow Pages? I Googled you in your church, and I need $500 to fix my car. I don't know who you are. I have no clue who you are. Um, I'm a lot more reluctant to help that person. I'm just telling you. I, that I take to the Lord. God, what do you want us to do? Especially if... I have someone in my church that has the same similar need, and they need $500, and I got to choose. Guess what I'm doing 100% of the time? I'm taking care of our people. Now, this is actually a kingdom principle. This is because this is what God does for us. God takes care of his people. So if I have the choice between a tithe or even an offering, some guy comes in, plays this video of his ministry and starving children in Ethiopia. Wonderful. God might often tell you to give, but he, uh, here's the deal. This is how I, this is, this is how I do it. If I'm going to give a hundred dollars to this thing, I better know God said to do it. Because if I'm giving to that ministry, another thing is I don't know where that money's going either. I don't know this cat. I don't know what he's doing with it necessarily. But if I'm giving $100 to this minister and my daughter has been asking for weeks, Daddy, can we go on a date? Actually, Coco just asked me yesterday, Daddy, when are we going on another uh, date? Daddy, daughter date. I said, do you want me and you or me, you and Savvy? No. Savvy can go on a date when you when she's older. It's me and you. <laughs> so listen, listen how warped this is. If I take money away from my, like having a relationship with my daughter who wants, I want, and, I, and I've been telling her, I can't, we have no money. I can't take you out to dinner and buy, and buy you something nice and buy you a dress and pretty and make you feel all pretty because I'm going to give it to somebody I don't know. It's actually backwards. It's, it's not right. 
But in the church, we've kind of thought that way. Now, here's where, here's where, the, here's where like, there's a little tension. Um, if God tells you to give to that ministry, you better give it. But let me, t- let me tell you what. If he does that, you better believe within very quick amount of time, God's going to give you money to take your daughter out as well. Because that's, that's how it works. God, I have to be, um, I have to have, like they say, pastor your family. I don't really like that. But my family is my priority. For you, your family, your family, your Lisa and your family is your priority. So when it comes to, if you have a chance to give a tithe to our church or feed your kids, feed your children. God will honor that. Maybe take a, maybe you have 10 bucks, maybe take 25 cents and say, God, I'm just giving you something. Yeah. So anyway, okay, so I'm glad you agree with me on this. I yeah. do agree with you yeah. on this. And, and the other thing too, um, and this is not, this is not against, I've, I've been given to missions my whole life. So it's not against missions, yeah. but exactly. the, the video of the guy in Ethiopia with the flies around the head and all this stuff, sometimes it's a manipulation. Absolutely. So let me tell you something. When, when they gave me the opportunity, it was the first time I'd ever actually preached in public. I'd done, you know, uh, offering and such. But when I uh, preached the, the sermon one time, and, and the, it was the, three years ago, I think it was, God, or, or the, the church is, dot, dot, dot. And they had me teach on generosity. And I went a completely different uh, direction from what they expected. Because if you want to be generous, you got to first be thankful. You got to know what you have and be thankful for it and for the one who gave it to you. Amen. So I'm not gonna preach that message, but what I'm gonna say is they also, not Chris, thank God, but there was another voice in the church at the time that said, and we want you to take up an offering after you teach people about generosity. And I said, I'm not gonna do that. He goes, why not? I said, because that's manipulation. Now, if I give you an opportunity to give when I teach you a principle, it's not a manipulation. I'm not trying to say, because I actually am trying to teach how to get in the flow of God's finances for your life. And if you give out of that, that's it. But if you have flies flying around the head of some children and big stomachs and stuff, and God bless them, I mean, they're doing a great work over there. But if they're manipulating you and your child sees that, they're never going to respect anything you say about money. So now, now I do know this from a, a preacher that it's almost the exact same story. It's a great story. But he would do the same thing. He'd take each kid with him when he'd go preach around the country. He, it, was, it was their turn this week and go to the, you know. So let's say it's Coco's turn this week and they have the money for the ticket or they have the money to give into missions. What he did, what he went into his daughter and he said, I'm not getting on my knee, my, my knee hurts. But he, he said, hey, listen, we've got this opportunity to bless this child and I want, it's your turn to go on the, on the trip. So would you like to bless this child or do you want to go on the trip? And she said, Daddy, I want those kids to know Jesus. And they gave together. Now that is teaching your child the right way. If she had said, he, he said flat out, he goes, you know what? I don't care. If she had said, no, I want to go on the trip, I would never have thought of it again. But the fact that I had raised her that way. And she wanted to do that. So anyway, that's good. In fact, that's the same, basically same story, is, only we, different. We've done the same thing with our kids too, where we've said, "Hey, there's this deal, and we can either have this, or we can give a little bit, or whatever." And kids are very good, man. They they always want to bless. But um, 
if you're given out of manipulation and control, uh, it's, it's never good. Um, also, just, again, just do whatever God says. So um, if, if you have, see a homeless guy, you know, you, you Walmart, and a guy comes up and says, can I have some money? You want to give him some money? Give him money. Um, the only thing is if God says for some reason not to, then don't. He knows better. But it's always good to help. It's always good to help people. Here's another thing with that, too, especially if God says, give the guy five bucks. I mean, we've all given people money. It's, we want to help people. I mean, if I have money, I'm giving people. I just never carry cash is the problem. And I'm not giving him my credit card, so sorry. So usually I'm like, man, I don't have anything. Sometimes I'll try to grab some money. But usually nine, eight, eight, out, of, eight out of ten times, you know, the Lord's on it, and you want to help this person. At once or twice I've had a check, and I've told my wife, no, we're not. That's, I can I tell you the Lord, Holy Spirit is real. That's a scammer. We're not doing it. I don't tell him that. I'm just like, no. But if, if the Lord tells you to give an offering, yes. it's not, that's not a tithe. Don't tithe to the homeless. Right. If that's an offering, you're giving an offering unto Jesus. You've given to the least of these. You've given unto me. And he, oh, thank you. Give him 10 bucks. And then he literally turns around and walks into a, 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 a smoke shop and, and buys smokes. Guess what? It's not, you're not responsible for it. Don't, don't be, don't live in legalistic religion. Well, you can only do this with it. No, no, no. God, God said to give, you give the money. He can do whatever he wants with it. You are going to be rewarded for your obedience. And, um, there, there are times when I've heard people say that I don't want to give them money because I'm afraid they're going to go buy drugs. Hey, if God says give it, don't worry about it. You agree with that? That's good. We're yeah, well, yeah, so far I, so good. Everybody. No, I do. No, I mean, the thing about it is, too, I believe once you get into the flow of kingdom finance, you, you don't have to really test a whole lot of, of voices. You pretty much know what, uh, where you're to give and what you're to do. And, and let me say this about this church. You know, I don't do fundraisers. I never have except one time in this church I stood up here, we were doing a fundraiser, and they had me speak. And I talked about the lineage of where this church came from, uh, some, of the, some of the things way back that I was involved in and where it came from. So you also, if, if nothing else, if nothing else in, in your giving, as far as an offering is concerned, you can always give into the good soil here. Now, that's not a manipulation. I'm not raising money for the church. I'm just saying that if you're yet to test the, the, the voices in your head or the voices of people wanting finances from you, you can always give your, your offering here because it's good soil, and that's where you want to grow your seed. And actually, as a, as a church, as an organization, we actually seed. We, to, we give everyone to three different ministries, hundreds of, uh, well, it's over, uh, it's hundreds of dollars per ministry. And this last uh, week, we partnered with um, a ministry that did uh, uh, feeding and clothing on Skid Row in L.A., actually. And so I just felt led. So I said, hey, we're going to partner. We, I sent him hundreds of dollars to partner with him. So we, we actually do it. We believe it, and we do it. And we're seeing a great, a great uh, harvest, financial harvest in our body and amongst our people. But th- there's a couple keys here, too. Um, and faith is huge. But remember, it's just the mustard seed of faith. Now, nope. you have this. No. Nope. No, hold on. Okay. Yeah. Can you, don't disagree with me up here. That's, you do it privately. Look, it, Lord. it seriously looked like you were looking to be oh, disagree no, there. No, no. I'm saying 
I was literally just going to say that you have this great uh, teaching where you say that's the starting point yes. of faith. Yeah. So you didn't let me finish. Sorry. Don't disagree with the pastor on stage. Probably. Okay. So the mustard seed of faith is that starting point. Now, when you have that mustard seed, how do you grow that seed into a great plant? How, in your life, what have you done practically? Is it just for you just keep giving and giving and giving? Or is there something that happens supernatural in your heart? Well, yeah, I mean, if we're on the subject of finances, obviously, uh, then I have seen... Well, let me, let me see, tell you why I disagree with Chris there for a second, because honestly, I thought he was setting me up to disagree with him. And, and the, the fact is, as Jesus said, if you have only uh, faith the size of a mustard seed, if that's all you've got, you can say to Mount Charleston, be cast in the sea. See what I'm saying? So if that's... But he never said that's all you get. He never said that's where it ends. That's where it starts, okay? In fact, in, in Romans, uh, he, he talks, Paul talks about the fact that he has dealt to each a measure of faith. And I talked in the first service about the fact, should I even go here? I'm sorry. About the fact that uh, I grew up on the Oral Roberts University campus, and I can tell you right now, I did not, nor will I ever have the faith of Oral Roberts in, in the planet. Oral Roberts built an entire un, uh, university and an amazing uh, center for worldwide outreach. So I don't have that kind of faith, but I do have the, the starting faith that I was given and I've acted upon that. And when God has said, I tell a story about a friend of mine who, who had a need and I thought it was about a hundred bucks and I was all excited about that. You know, I had a hundred bucks I could give him. I did not have the $300 that he ultimately needed, but I knew that I was up for a bonus. This is a whole lot like JD. It's just such a, a great correlation here. But uh, I was up for a bonus at my work and I wasn't really taking that into account, but I said, okay, when I got to the store and he needed what he needed, he said, uh, you know, dude, this is going to be about $300. And I knew I didn't have it, but immediately the Lord spoke in my brain. And, and I mean, it, it was, it was that, that fast. Son, how much did you want your bonus to be? And it was instantaneous the next week. And so I gave it without even thinking about it. The next week, I got a $3,000 bonus. And I was expecting about 1100 So what the funny thing to me was is when I was driving home, it's like, wow, the Lord just gave me the tithe on what he was about to give me. Right? And what I didn't know, and I've never told this about the story, but I just remembered it this morning. I had a debt that I owed a friend of mine from years ago that had forgiven it. But that money was able to, I was able to pay that friend off too. I had completely forgotten about part of the story, but that is the, the end of that story. So God not only gave me my seed, he gave me my harvest and paid off my debt all in one act of faith. And I think, and we've talked about this before, I think the reason why I said it, uh, last week. The reason why Jesus used mustard seed, it's one of the smallest seeds, but um, he didn't use bird seed or something like that that actually doesn't grow and gets eaten, right? Mustard seed, uh, when it is um, taken care of, it's planted in good soil, it's watered, it's, it grows into be one of the largest, uh, a mustard plant or mustard tree is huge. And so, if, you know. It's pretty he, good on burgers too, by the way. Mustard seed, so yeah. So now, now he's going to, no, he lets me finish with, uh, you can't stay, right. I mean, you can if you want, 
But that's not really the idea, to stay there. The idea is to grow and become this tremendous tree that actually brings shade to those who come all around it. Yeah. Let me pick up on that. Because we were talking in the first service about healing. And what's interesting is we, and, and I'm not, okay, baby Christians, I'm not, I'm not just saying you're a baby Christian if you need someone to pray for you healing. That's not what I'm saying. But a baby Christian will come to someone and say, you know what, I've, I've got a problem here. Will you pray with me? As you start maturing in the faith and in faith, you say, gosh, I've got a problem in my leg here. Tony, be healed. You start you start out of your, not abundance, but out of your need, you start blessing other people that have either the same need or one greater than your own. Why? Because you're stretching that faith. You're stretching that out. Yeah, you're, you're planting a seed. It's your seed. Yes. You need healing and you don't see healing. Um, go pray for somebody. You need a job. Go help somebody out. Yeah. The worst thing I could imagine doing, it's like this would be hell eternal would be helping someone move. That would be hell to me with, with scorpions in every box. This is like would be what hell would be like to me. With having to watch the Raiders on repeat. That is literally hell for me. So do something. If you need a job, come to the church. It could have been cowboys. I could have said cowboys, but I didn't say cowboys. Oh, this is planting a seed. Come, come by the church. Come help. Well, Wednesdays and Saturdays, we have a, a cleaning team. You need a job? Come. You're planting a seed. You understand what I'm saying? So um, now we're going we're gonna to turn a little bit and talk specifically about faith. And I want to read the great faith verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1. It is the biblical definition of faith. All right? And I'm just going to read it. I mean, you know what? I could... I could Say it, but I want to read it verbatim here. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now, we have a lot of hope. Christians, we should be filled with hope. I mean, I hope for all kinds of things. There is, there is a difference between a, a hope given to you by heaven versus just like a wandering hope. There's actually a difference. It's like a supernatural hope. You know what I'm talking about? You grab hold of this thing and you're like, oh, God's on this. There's a hope. It's, um, I like how Bill Johnson defines hope. A joyful expectation of something good. You're expecting something good, right? So whether it's finances or healing or, what, or, or piloting a plane, whatever. You're hoping the plane doesn't go down. Um, okay, seriously. Right? You're still talking about Spirit and Delta and those guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm not hoping a Southwest jet doesn't go down. It ain't going it's down. It's never gone. They've never had a... Southwest has never had a crash, praise God. Um, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What does that mean to you? If I say the conviction of something you can't see, what does that I mean love, to you? I love how the great faith teachers used to say it. I know that 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 thing's coming to pass. Jesus said, you know what Jesus said to the disciples? We're going to the other side. And then he went and took a, a nap in the boat. And then the waves came and the, and the storm and all this kind of stuff. And the disciples honestly thought Jesus missed it. 
But see, Jesus knew that he 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 knew they were going to the other side. So there was no doubt in his mind. He went and took a, a nap, right? And these guys, they didn't, they didn't get it. It was a great teaching moment because he stood up and he's like, oh, you know, he cursed the wind and it stopped and they, they got to the other side. But he knew that he knew that he knew. That's a very simple story. Actually, I think the better story, maybe even uh, Mary, it, was, it was the woman with the issue of blood. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, there's that just word. If you just have faith as the size of a mustard seed, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. You see, I remember uh, Brother, uh, Brother Hagen saying, one of the ways that God heals is through the laying of hands. One of the ways. That's not the only way. Sometimes you speak to the situation. Sometimes you grab the hem of your garment. Sometimes you're in a worship service that's so powerful that you say, Jesus, you are here and I have a need. That's right. That's right. Tell you what, there's no more encouragement in the world than Lee on the front row encouraging you. No, and I mean that sincerely. It's so awesome. But that's... That's the thing that, you know, that's, what, that's how I would define that scripture. I know that I know that I know that I know that God said I'm going to do this, and therefore, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. I, wait, and let me say this. Yeah. I was going to say this in the first service, but it didn't really lend its time. I honestly don't have the revelation of Chris Ritchie making movies, but you know what? God told Chris Ritchie he's going to make movies, and all I can do is say, dude, can I learn how to do sound? I mean, because I know that that's something God has done, and I want to partner with it, because if, if he's on it, I want to be a part of it. So, like Jesus resting in the boat, this is a perfect example of a word that was spoken, we're going we're to go to the other side, and now I'm going to take a nap. That is, that's what, resting in the gift of faith. Um, you can call it, sometimes it's like supernatural infusion of faith, but it's like you're resting in the gift of faith. That's the, that is the confidence and the conviction of faith. There are sometimes you have to muster up faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's different, right? Where it's like, uh, I don't really necessarily believe this, but I'm going to muster as the mustard seed of faith. I'm going to muster up faith, and I'm going to partner with God, even though I'm... Remember we talked about a few weeks ago, you can have faith and doubt in the same body. Okay. So you're, then you're like, it's not a work, but it's like a God, give me the faith that, that, that I need, right? So that is, that is one way to do it. That's one thing. We've all been there, right? You've been yep. there. But then there's this other thing that comes upon you, this supernatural of faith. And you say, no chance. I don't care what the report is. I don't care what it looks like. I can go to bed and I can rest in the gift of faith because God said it, and if he said it, he'll do it. That's the gift of faith. God's handing you a gift. Yeah, so you are going to say something? Well, I was just going to say, how would you like to have been the first Israelite that when the water's on this side and this side of the Red Sea, and you're the first one, you're like, um, but what'd they do? They took a step. So when you're wavering between should I do this, my doubt, or my unbelief, Jesus, I mean, the, the, the guy, hey, I, I, I believe, but help my unbelief, the man said, right? So 
all we're lo- all he's looking for is a response in faith. Now, this can actually be tied back to your tithe as well. Your tithe, because there are so many people that are like, I just can't do it. That's 10% of what I've got. It's a sometimes it's a step of faith. And I love that. If you're wavering between two points, take a step. Right? Yeah, and that's sometimes what we have to do. Um, and there's a, there's a verse in the Bible. Um, I'm terrible with addresses, but it says first, first the natural and then the spirit. First the natural, then the spiritual. Sometimes you have to do things in the natural, even when your spirit or your insides are saying no, and you're like, I have to literally just do it, and God will reward it. We'll see that in a second. Also, same thing when you worship. Sometimes you're like, I don't feel like worshiping. I'm gonna, but but I'm gonna, but I need to. So it's like I'm sowing a seed into my worship. I'm gonna raise my hands, and I'm telling you what. I'm telling you, almost every time for me, it has worked. Like, I'm just gonna raise my hands. I'm just gonna start to worship, and guess what? All of a sudden, I'm there. It's a seed of worship. It's the same kind of concept. It God is. Will, God meets you. It is, and it's interesting too. And Chris and I differ on this because we're a little bit generationally different. But yes. I, Okay. I'm younger. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> Not debating that. <laughs> but there are times when I'm wavering between two points. I haven't taken a step yet. And welling up in my spirit comes these words, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You get these, you get these words of faith that just come in. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And these are the words that well up in your spirit. That's why you put faith in. You put the word in. You put, I mean, I love the hymns. I love the hymns. There's so much faith in the hymns. And of course, there's some weird stuff too, but you, you get this stuff. And man, it's, it's such faith. Where, where, where are we differing? Well, I just, I, I, you're, not, you're, not, you're not a huge hymn guy that oh, I've you're seen. Oh, you hymns. Hymns, oh, yeah. I thought you about the principle of what you're talking about. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. no I like a good hymn. Yeah. I like a good hymn. I just don't like, there are a lot of them are not good for me. But I like, I like well, a good Well, or hymn. what about this? When, when you're wondering, is God going to show up? All your promises are yes and amen. Yeah. Amen? Oh, All yeah. his promises. Yeah. Yeah, so um, anyway, that's good. Okay, good. So you're just talking about for you personally, you start singing old hymns. Okay. I do. Well, I, I, sing, yeah. I sing faith. Yeah. I sing faith, right? Um, and then, of course, we know this also kingdom principle, the power of your tongue. Man, if you don't believe it, and, but you need to believe it, speak it. In fact, don't think it. Speak it. Speak it. It changes the atmosphere around you. Lee, you can come on up. Hebrews 11.6, really interesting verse. Without faith, it is imposible. That's for the Spanish-speaking friends. See, si. they, they understood nothing until that word. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Think about that for a second. That's tough. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. But then it goes on. It doesn't stop. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. 
That's the first thing you have to do. You have to believe that he is. We have a whole group of believers sitting in our church pews who don't actually believe he is. That's the first part. That's the first basic step. You got to believe him. And then what does it say? Numero uno, if we're continuing the Spanish tradition. We're not. Um, Then it says, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. You have to have faith. Come to him in faith. Believe that he is the I am. I love that when Jesus, the first time we hear that, right? I am the I am. What does that even mean? It means I am. I am. I am all of it. I created it all. You're looking at it, Jack. I am. I need JD's voice to say, I am. Because when you know who he is, guess what, Tom? I know who I am. Say it. I know who I am. And I know that I know that I know that I know that I know whose I am. By the way, let me tell you right now, since we're in this weird woke culture, you know what my pronouns are? (laughs) His. Come on. (laughs) When you start realizing who you belong to, You start living in this life of faith. You start living in the blessed life. You begin seeing what God has done. You know, I started the whole thing. If I may continue, I don't want to step on your toes. Um, I started this whole thing by saying that Tony came and said, you know, too many people, too many churches are afraid to talk about money. But let me tell you right now, you are to be blessed. Yes. Why? Because... We came to him, we knew that he was, and that he was going to keep you in the dirt the rest of your life. No, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Why? Because he wants you blessed. You're you're supposed to be a set-apart people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are the ones that he created because heaven was empty without you. We sang about it earlier. So I want you to know a, a, a small revelation that I got, I said it in the first service, but people who don't know my story at all. And I'm not even going to defend that because you know how many times God answers idiots? <laughs> he usually says nothing. But when people come to me and say, you know, I've only gotten anything where I am in life because of the color of my skin or the family I was born into or like that. And I went home very d- disappointed because I really kind of wanted to teach this person some things of kingdom and they said, well, you know, you've only gotten. And I really honestly went before the Lord and I started crying. I was like, Lord, this, this just sucks, man. And he said, he, I, I just saw this smile on the, on the master's face. It was the biggest smile radiant I had ever seen. And he's laughing and he says, son, you are not privileged because of the family you're born into. I call you blessed because of the family you're born again into. 
So when the world tries to lie to you and say anything about what God's done in your life, you say, no, my pronouns are his. I belong to him and he has blessed me because I came to him. I knew who he was. I acknowledged who he was and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Yeah, and, the, and these are not salvation issues. This is, this is a, a principle of seeking God. Seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Or in this situation, seek first him in faith, and he will reward you. Again, this is not an issue of your salvation. You're a son, you're a daughter. But do you look at some people and you say, man, there's so much favor on their life. What is going on here? Every time it turns around, everything turns to gold. What is the deal? Well, maybe they're actually seeking God diligently yes. in faith, yes. and he's rewarding them. Yes. So if you want more reward from heaven, that's the answer right there. And, and quit here. I'm going to admonish you just one second. Quit being jealous of those around that are doing better than you. The better thing to do is go over there and say, man, this guy's making movies. I want to find out how he's doing it. If someone actually is being blessed in their life, go to them and do not let them go until you find out what it is that they're doing and how they're doing it. What revelation did they get? Yep. Because that is the same thing. All his promises are yes and amen. And you say, Lord, I want what they have and not in a jealous way. I just know that you are a warder of me. So I'm going to go find out what they did. Yeah, sometimes you have to go travel to see that person Amen. wise men still travel come on and stand up you talked about the woke crowd a little bit uh, we didn't do it the first service um, but and I was thinking the other day about the woke the wokeness and and um, I, I'm just going to tell you it's 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 very demonic um, uh, I'll tell it to the Facebook it's very demonic uh, because <laughs> you've just been canceled yeah Go ahead. But um, the whole council culture, it's very demonic. Because what they do, the council culture, what it does is it, it takes one really important uh, kingdom attribute called forgiveness. And it completely removes it from the equation. So it's, it's anti-Christ, actually. But I was thinking about how it's tried to creep itself into the church. It, not here, not our church, but it's time, it's time for men and women of God to not be afraid. Now, and everything we do in love, everything, we, we do everything in love. We have to, otherwise it's a clanging symbol. But we have to, being woke is actually good in, if you're woke to the Holy Spirit. Yes. So, but that, they, they've destroyed that whole term, right? So we have to be awakened, not woke. I'm thinking about doing a, a, just a, a sermon about it. Being awakened, not woke. Don't be woke. I heard there was a, there was a guy, uh, a Christian worship leader. I won't say who it was, and he was doing he was doing this tour. He's doing it now. And a few months ago, he put this out. Hey, I want you to come to my dates. I'm calling all the, those Jesus lovers, the the wokest people. Blah 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 blah. And so I, I don't like to do this, but I kind of commented back. All I said was, how can you be woke in a believer, actually? There is one answer to every question. His name is Jesus. 
the woke crowd doesn't know who he is, so they don't know who they are. And they are latching on everything that they can. And they're on a sinking ship. And we have to, we have to release the love of the Father firmly, not bowing to the world and say, honestly, Tom, we got to say enough. Exactly. I heard a, a preacher say years ago, and it stuck with me because the good sermons always stick with you. He said, when anyone looks at you, and, and remember who's doing it. Remember the spirit behind it. But when they say, shame on you, mm. you still, no, 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 no. Mm. Shame was on him. Mm. Shame was on him. Mm. And then you turn to Jesus and you say, what's your opinion, Lord? And it never left my mind. You always turn for the second opinion. Shame comes in. No, shame was on him. I'm not ashamed. And that's what the whole woke culture, and, and obviously we're talking about that, that, that movement, that thing's all about. It's about shaming you. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you right now, you, you build, it's just like talking about the hymns. You build a well of faith. You build a well of the word up in. So when, when that comes against you, the first thing you do is, no, 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 no. Shame was on him. Jesus, what do you think? What's your thought? So you remember every good sermon? Yes. So you remember all mine? Absolutely. And there is a misconception that I don't like hymns. I actually love hymns. I didn't say I didn't say you didn't. There's, just, there's been a, mis, go. it's my there's go -to been a misconception. Oh, no, it's my go-to. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I like a good hymn. Maybe we'll do all hymns next week. We won't. Maybe we'll do one hymn or half a hymn. You know, my favorite hymn is "Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus," just to take him at his word. Amen. What about the old rugged cross? Is that a hymn? I mean, it's a chorus. I don't know if that's actually in the hymnal. It is, the old rugged cross. So this is really good. You don't need to, that's fine, we're done. But uh, no, away. we're not going into hymn sing. No, Stood turn, turn the lights up. Cross. It's getting a little too, uh, turn, yeah, turn the house lights up. I can't see anybody. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. All right, Tom, great job. Thank you. Do you guys appreciate Tom? All right. Um, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, adults in the chapel, 6 o'clock, uh, youth here. Uh, Thursday night is a women's discipleship, 6 o'clock. And then if we don't see you at one of those, you won't see me at the women's discipleship. Actually, you do. I kind of hang out. But uh, we'll see you next Sunday, 9 or 11. Good? You're good? good. You feel good? Great. Be blessed, guys.